0: to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. You see, God really, He doesn't want to just give us a momentary touch. He really does want us living out of the overflow. And the whole prophetic theme of this weekend has been coming into the overflow, where we realize that what we have in God is more than enough That his anointing is more than enough. That his presence is more than enough. It's not just this momentary touch of God and then we go back to life as usual. Or we go back to life without the presence of God. Or we go back to our discouragements or our depressions or our struggles or whatever it is that we've come from. But we actually receive from the Lord and then carry that with us. Praise God. And, And I have something that will help you. How many here have a phone? How many have a phone? Okay, good. So, I have something that will help you stay connected to the presence of God. Ready? We have a free phone app. Woohoo! But I'm going to tell you what this does. It has the Bible in like 20 different translations. So, if you want to study the Bible in lots of versions, you can. It has a free audio Bible that you can press play and listen to any part of Old Testament or New Testament anytime. Shrink the app down. Let it play on your phone behind the scenes. And you can listen to the Bible. If you don't want to read, you can listen to it. Then we've got all of our videos, all of our videos, hundreds, hundreds of hours. Now, you're going to like this. Hundreds of hours of free video teachings. Literally, from, from, from years of our television show and everything is streamed right through our phone app. You can just press play and watch any teaching, anything you want, anytime. So we have all of that available through a phone app. So if you go to Google Store or you go to the um, iTunes Store, type in Matt Sorger, and you'll see the app, and you just download it, and there you go. So, you know, see, Pastor already has it. So, look, if you – if you yeah, download it right now. Look, this is the only time I give you permission to use your phone in church. Just go right just, – let's just play on the Internet for a moment. Just go there, download it, and, you know, if you ever see fire – coming out of your phone don't worry about it it's just the anointing (laughs) it won't kill your phone (laughs) yes and you know we also i haven't even mentioned it this weekend but we do have a weekly email that we send out we just sent one out on friday i was telling pastor on the way to church this morning a prophetic word that god had given me and i emailed it out to our our whole email list we've got like I don't know like 24,000 people on our email list around the world so you could join that and what we do is we just send you teachings and you know prophetic words and teachings God gives me and we just send it out to our email list once a week or our video show uh, our TV show you also get by our email so um, so he wrote me and he said oh bad he said when I read your email this morning, I thought it was a personal email from you to me. Because the prophetic word was so accurate, it totally hit my life right on. And I and I, I had to read it again because I thought it was from you to me personally. Then I realized it was to your whole email list. But, you know, when God speaks, he, he really does speak. and So praise the Lord. So if you want a free prophetic word every week, sign up for my email list. No. <laughs> praise God. But, uh, yes. And... We also, throughout the weekend, I forgot to mention it last night because I always do forget, but we are doing a special on our resources for you as well again today. Um, For every four resources, you get a fifth one for free. So we we just want to sow that into you as you, you know, sow the Word of God into your heart. And for us, the resources are all about resourcing God's people to get as much of the Word and revelation in you as possible. Because I know if you know who you are, the devil won't be able to lie to you. If you know the truth, it strips the enemy of his power. You break agreement with the enemy, you come into agreement with what God says about you, and the enemy loses all power and influence over your life. So I know the more you get filled with the word and the more truth you get in you, the more of the Holy Spirit you get in you, the more dangerous you're going to be. And together, collectively, we can really give the devil a black eye and kick him out and release divine judgment on him. See, that's the thing. We don't release judgment on people. We release judgment on the enemy, and we release blessing on people. You see, every time healing is released, the enemy is judged. Every time freedom is released, the enemy is judged. You see, every time the anointing is released, the enemy is judged. God loves to bless you and judge the enemy. Praise God. So we've got this, you know, I used to, over the years, my preaching has evolved. It has. And when you're prophetic, you tend to see into the future. But the only thing you have to be careful about is if your prophetic preaching is always preaching somewhere in the future, then what can develop is revival is always somewhere in the future. Your breakthrough is always somewhere in the future. The anointing is always somewhere in the future. And we're always running after our breakthrough in the future. But somewhere we have to shift from future preaching to now preaching. Not just about what God will do, the revival He will send, and then we're always running after revival somewhere, but understanding what has already been accomplished and stepping into the now faith of God where we access His present day promise. Right? Where your freedom is not somewhere in your future, but your freedom is today. Your healing is not somewhere in your future, but it's today. You see, there is a now present dimension to faith. And to understanding and obtaining the promises of God. So we've got this series called The Spirit of Awakening, Igniting the Spark for Revival. This one we talk about how to carry the glory of God on your life. And how to really live with the spirit of awakening. Because God doesn't want to just send revival to the church. Or awakening or fresh move of the spirit. He wants you to be a walking revival. He wants each one of us to be walking revivals. Where we actually carry the glory of God on our life and shift atmospheres and see his kingdom come in power so we have the spirit of awakening and then this one operating in creative miracles it's a fantastic four-part teaching set on operating in, in creative miracles and you know creative miracles recreative miracles is when god creates something that was not there before it's a recreative miracle it's not just a healing it's different I remember I was in a crusade once in Mexico, and the Lord spoke to me that he was going to pop open deaf ears. And just in the middle of worship, you see, for me, worship is so key to the anointing. It's how I flow in the Holy Spirit. I flow in the midst of the worship and just the moving of of the Holy Spirit, and out of that, things happen. And as we were worshiping God, the Lord said, I'm going to open up deaf ears. And all around the stadium, deaf ears started popping open. But then my team brought this young girl up onto the platform. She had long brown hair. She was maybe 12 years old. And they pulled her hair back and she had no ears. She was born without ears. So how do you open up an ear when there's not even an ear there? Right? It was not just a deaf ear. There was no ear, no eardrum, nothing in her head there. So she was born with no hearing. And as her feet hit that platform, the power of God started to go through her body. And she heard a popping on the inside of her head. And God opened up her eardrums and put eardrums, recreated eardrums on the inside of her head and gave her her hearing. That's a recreative miracle. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And I love, I just love that. I love that. So that's a whole series on that. And then this one I talked about the other night Deliverance and Permanent Change. You know, I'm really into everyone getting really free. I am. Really free. I mean to the point where, where the enemy can't steal your joy. Where sin doesn't have a stronghold on you. Where he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Where you are totally free in every area of your thinking, every area of your heart, your soul, your emotions, your will, just free in Christ. Free from sin. Not that you're never tempted, but you're not controlled by it. You can rise above it and live in the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Jesus defeated sin. He defeated it. And by the spirit of the law, by the law of the spirit of life, you also have victory over sin. You do not have to be controlled by anything. But we get to be led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. But we don't have to be controlled by our flesh, by the enemy, or by the sin nature. We can be totally free. Oh, yeah, that's a good place to say yes, amen. See, when you say amen, you come into agreement. You, you are saying let it be because that's what amen means. It means let it be. So out of your own mouth, you are coming into agreement saying let it be. And there's power in agreement. I love, I love the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's that law of the spirit That gives us victory over sin, that releases healing, releases that freedom that we're talking about, releases that tangible anointing, that anointing that you can catch. And you know, the reality of the things of the Spirit, some things you can be taught, revelation and truth, but some things you have to catch just by being around it. And I've learned when it comes to the tangible anointing of the Holy Spirit, what I hang around actually directly affects what I carry on my life. You realize that, right? Acts chapter 4, God showed me this principle where, here Jesus calls these fishermen, these fishermen to be his disciples. And the religious leaders, the Pharisees of the day, they looked at these fishermen, and in Acts chapter 4, it says that they marveled, and they wondered, because they saw these fishermen, these untrained, uneducated fishermen, preaching and living with the same power and authority as Jesus and they said to themselves how can this be how are they so eloquent how do they have this authority and then it says oh and they realized they realized they got a revelation it dawned on them wait a second they look like somebody they're talking like someone we've heard before they're acting like someone we've seen walk through this town before and it says they realized they had been with Jesus You see, whatever you hang around is what gets on your life. When you hang around Jesus, Jesus gets on your life. When you hang around the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit gets on your life. When you hang around the Word, the Word gets on your life. But the same is true when you hang around things of the world, things of the world will get on your life. There's a difference between ministering to the world and fellowshipping with the world. There's a difference. The Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So you can be in the world, you can interact with people in the world, but it doesn't mean you have to fellowship with the spirit of the world. You see, when you hang around the spirit of the world, that spirit gets on you. You see, whether we realize it or not, every single one of us have an atmosphere in our life. We have an atmosphere. And it's either filled with God, or it's filled with something else. Depending on what we hang around. You see, the untrained, uneducated fishermen spoke eloquently and with power and authority because they hung around Jesus. And you see, whatever you hang around starts to overflow from you. Because it's like what you put in comes out. Oh, I wish that wasn't always true. Because I would love to put a whole lot of chocolate cake in my mouth and have no fat come out on my body. It would be fantastic. But I realize, especially once I hit 30, whatever comes in is what comes out. And sometimes it doesn't come out. Sometimes it stays in. You want it to come out, but it stays in. And you're like, oh, no, what's happening? I can't eat. I can't. Look, I used to be able to sit down every night and have a huge bowl of ice cream every single night. No problem. And then all of a sudden, it was a problem. (laughs) But it's like whatever you put in, whatever you hang around, it really, it begins to show. It begins to show. And when you're hanging around the Holy Spirit, who is the oil of joy, guess what will show? Joy. When you're hanging around, you know, negative thoughts or worry thoughts, guess what's going to show? You're not going to be showing the joy of God. I remember one time when I was a young minister, I was young in ministry, young pastor. And I was having a trial or something and I was not joyful that day. I just wasn't rising above it. You know, we all have those days. I call them diaper days. <laughs> diaper days, okay? You know that you know what I'm talking about, right? A diaper day is where you just kind of, you know, you get in the flesh or maybe you get discouraged or you're not really rising up and walking in the spirit like you're supposed to. And you have a diaper day. Well, you know, just don't let it be a diaper week or a diaper month, okay? Eventually, you got to take the diaper off and get up and go. So I was with this group of ministers and an older minister who had known me comes up to me and he says, oh Matt, he was impressed. He said, oh Matt, I could see the new level of soberness in your life. (laughs) And he was so serious. I could see the new level of soberness in you, the new level of maturity in you. And I wish he could read my mind because I'm thinking to myself, dude, I'm depressed. I have the same spirit on me today that you've had for the last 50 years. (laughs) If he could only read my mind. But I just looked at him. I was like, yes. Yes, I am so mature. I am so mature. You know, when I read the Bible in Galatians and it talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and it says that joy is one of the fruits of, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Actually to be joyful is a greater sign of maturity than being all sober and depressed. Joy is actually a sign of maturity. Praise the Lord. So the more childlike you become, the more mature you become. Because children have a way of just being joyful. I mean, look, I see it in airports. All the adults are standing around the conveyor belt waiting for their luggage, and they're all like, uh. And all the kids are like, oh, look, luggage, 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 and they're like, it's a playground. They're like, it's the most exciting thing. And they're all happy and excited. They get to like, see their luggage come around, and all the adults are like, oh, give me my luggage, you know? It's like, but we get to mature into greater childlikeness. And one thing I noticed about the Bible, God never calls us his adults. He never says, oh, you're my adult. He always, no matter how old you get, you're my child. No matter how old you get, you're a child still. You see, so we get to mature into greater childlikeness. And one of the things that I believe is that God really is reviving. One of the things Holy Spirit is doing is he's bringing his church back into a place of radical childlike faith radical childlike faith where we actually believe his word can i tell you when i first got saved i was 14 my whole family you know we were not churched we went to church like once a year and we were we were catholics and there's some amazing catholics who are devoted and they really have a relationship with god but we went like once a year and i didn't really know god i believed in him but didn't really know him and when we first got saved i remember this anointing hit our family after my mom got healed she got a radical healing. She was, she was bedridden at the end of two years of being sick. She was totally bedridden on 24 bottles of medicine a day. Spent thousands of dollars on hospital bills. No doctor could help her. She just kept getting worse. And then she went to a Catholic charismatic healing mass where the priests were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, that day, I've learned, I've learned some things over these years of just observing. That day that she was supposed to go to that healing service, when she woke up that morning, every symptom and pain in her body magnified. Magnified. It was like the enemy knew that his time was up and he released an even greater spiritual resistance. If you ever feel spiritual resistance coming against you, it's just a really good sign to you that an amazing breakthrough is just ahead of you. Just ahead of you. Because a lot of times the enemy will push in with resistance because he knows his time is short. So he really pushes in. And my mom dragged her body to that healing service that night. She said, I'm not going to miss this healing service. And she got to that healing service and she collapsed on the floor in the back of the church. That's how bad she was. And she laid on a, in a pile in the back of the sanctuary and dragged her body down the front. And the priest went to pray for her. And before he could even put his hand on her, the Holy Spirit came over her. And this was not a Pentecostal service. This was not a Pente- there was not even a worship team. It was a quiet Catholic Mass until my mom came forward. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and threw her body ten feet through the air. No catchers, no nothing. I mean it was a force. It was a force from heaven. Blew her body through the air. She's on the ground. She feels volts of electricity surging through her body. She thought she died and went to heaven. All the, I mean the priests, they were like, we got a live one here. I mean they all got around, all the priests, they all got around her. They all like waving incense over her, throwing holy water on her. I mean they got all the arsenal out. And by the time she got off that floor, she was 100% healed by the power of God. Totally healed. Saved, delivered, and healed. Boom, in one power encounter with God. And that week she comes home. Well, that night she came home, and I looked at her when she walked through the front door, and I could tell she was 100% different. And I said, what happened? What happened to you? And she said, Jesus healed me tonight. I was like, what? Jesus healed you tonight? And all of a sudden, Jesus stepped right into our family, and we all got saved. That was it. We all got saved. The whole family got saved. And this anointing hit our family. This anointing for the Word of God hit our family. My mom got into the Bible by the grace of God, by an anointing that drew her into the Word of God so that the devil could never make her sick again or deceive her again for seven hours a day for three years. She read the New Testament only. From Matthew to Revelation, Matthew to Revelation, Matthew to Revelation, Matthew to Revelation for three years straight, seven hours a day. That's all she did is read the Word of God. And the Word got so deep in her, I would love to see when Jehovah's Witnesses came to our front door. I'm telling you, she knew every scripture in that Bible and she was like, sure, come on in. And every single thing they said, she knew the truth of God's Word and she dismantled their whole belief system right in like a half hour. They wouldn't even know what to do. They'd be like, oh, I think, I guess I need to get born again. You know what I mean? They they wouldn't know what to do. But this anointing for the word came on us as a family. And I remember as a teenager getting into the Bible. And the amazing thing about it, we were unchurched at this point. And I love the local church, but you have to be in the right church. Because if you're not in the right church, you can actually have your faith taught right out of you if you sit on the wrong teaching and you sit on the law teaching and when we first got saved we just started reading the bible and the amazing thing about it is we just believed every single word we read because i saw my mom got healed so obviously everything in the bible was true there was not one shed of doubt in our hearts or minds and every word we read in the new testament we 100 percent believed and you know what the result was every time we prayed we had instant results every single time we prayed i remember i remember i went into the woods as a young person got poison oak all over my face up my nose in my mouth i mean my whole eye was swollen out just poison oak everywhere we went to the doctor and the doctor said oh it's going to take three weeks for this to heal now when you're a teenager going to school and your whole face is swollen with poison oak is not fun and i'm like this is not good i don't think i can go to school like this And the doctor said, three weeks with this medication. But rather than taking the medication, I'm not against medication, but rather than taking the medication, we prayed. We prayed. And I got anointed with oil. And I'm telling you, one day later, I was 100% healed. It was gone. But it was like that. It was like we just read the Bible and believed it. And the Bible said, well, if believers will pray for the sick, they'll be healed. Oh, then I'll be healed. Pray for me. It was wonderful, but it was childlike. It was so simple. and it, it was really simple. I think sometimes we make things so complicated. We have these teachings, 20 reasons why people don't get healed, and after they hear the teaching, they're like, I'll never get healed. <laughs> they hear all the reasons why they can't get healed, and then they're never going to get healed. <laughs> they're like, yep, yeah, I got that, I got that, I'll never get healed. Praise God. But there is something to this childlike faith where you just, oh, it's just easy. Just believe. Just read and believe. Don't get too complicated. You know, we used to have a lot. Well, when we were very first saved, my mom had tremendous faith. And she still does today, but, had treme- but went through a little bit of a journey here. Had tremendous faith in the blood of Jesus. And, I mean, she would just put the blood of Jesus on everything. She put the blood of Jesus on us, put the blood of Jesus on the house, put the blood of Jesus on the cars, put the blood of Jesus everywhere. Blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, plead the blood of Jesus. I mean, I was, I was the anointing king. I was the anointing king. I mean, I believed in anointing with oil. I anointed everything with oil. Even things my parents didn't know about. I mean, when I was a teenager and my parents were out one day, I said, I'm going to anoint this house with oil. And I got oil. And I put oil on every wall, every door, every window, every part of the house oiled. Oil. And then I got a big bottle of oil and I marched around our house on the outside and I put a big line of oil all around our property. I'm like, I'm gonna oil our property, oiled it all. And years later, years later, one day my mom is cleaning the house. And the sunlight comes through the window at just the right angle and hits the, hits the hallway wall. And she sees down the whole hallway, these big oil crosses on the wall. And she's like, what is that? And she's trying to wash it off, and it ain't coming off. It ain't coming off. That's years. That is years of oil right there in that wall. And she came to me. She's like, Matt, I don't know what it is. this this big cross is on our wall. I'm like, oh, praise God. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. (laughs) But it was like oil, blood of Jesus. Just had a lot of faith in God's protection and the blood to cover us. And then we sit in church. Now, God bless church. God bless church. But we sat in church, and the pastor stood up there and said, all you people that just use the blood of Jesus like a lucky charm. And he just, like, totally in like five minutes dismantled all of our faith in the blood of jesus praise god (laughs) and then you have to fight for your faith again like no i'm not going to lose my faith i'm not going to lose my faith but you see it's just getting under truth under truth right i mean of course i love the local church we're in local church every single week and i'm part of local church but it's 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 making sure that we're sitting under New Testament revelation and faith. And we don't put ourselves back under the law. And we don't put ourselves back under things. Oh my gosh, I have seen a lot of things. I was in church once and a guest minister stood up. And oh my Lord, started preaching to the people. Started saying, if you don't give, you are under a curse. And he just started loosing a curse over the whole church. Oh yeah. This is when we were new. This is when we were brand new Christians. My poor mom. My poor mom. My poor mom. She jumps up and she's crying. She's like, "Man, I have to leave," and she runs out of the church because she didn't want to be under a curse. So she ran out. She's like, "I ain't getting under that curse," and she ran out. <laughs> oh, praise God. I'm getting a flashback right now. I remember we were in another, I was in another church service where they gave it, the guest speaker gave an altar call for martyrdom. Have you ever seen an altar call for martyrdom? No, it was a full blown altar call to be a martyr. And I remember sitting in that service and everyone went forward. Everyone's at the altar, they're weeping. They're like, yeah, Jesus, I want to be a martyr. And I'm like, I ain't going forward. I'm like, Lord, I do not want to be a martyr. Praise God. I'm getting raptured. Amen. I ain't getting my head cut off. I'm getting raptured. I'm not getting martyred. <laughs> and if I do, I certainly am not volunteering for it. <laughs> and, and, and I remember all these people are up there. And you know the little cute prayer cloth ladies? The, you know, they, they throw prayer cloths on people when they're on the floor. So I remember people again slain out in the spirit, right? They get anointed for martyrdom. And they're all getting slain on the spirit. And the prayer cloth lady, she's like, I ain't getting prayed for either. And she would throw the prayer cloths on people, the blankets on people. And she'd be like, better you than me. And she'd throw the blanket on them. Better you than me. And that's what she would say. Better you than me. <laughs> that is not an anointing. I am praying for but i tell you what you know the lord wants to mature us into childlikeness, and there's freedom in that there's joy in that you know children they're just like daddy's like come and jump and they're like yeah and they just jump no fear they're not thinking oh your dad's gonna drop me on my head you know this just (laughs) jump my dad used to take me i think about this i'm like oh my goodness my dad used to take me when I was little, and he would take me by the arms, and he would throw me up in the air and flip me around. Like, and I would do flips in the air, and he would catch me. And I was just like all like loose, and he, whoa, there I went. No fear, no nothing, in daddy's arms. And that's what it's like as children of God, in daddy's arms. Okay, daddy, you want me to jump? I'll jump. You want me to step out? I'll step out. You want to throw me up in the air, God? Let's do it. Because you know he's going to catch you. He'll never let you fall. When he calls you out into something, he's not going to be like, come on out, come on out, sink and drown. <laughs> Jesus is not going to be like, yeah, Peter, ha, come on out, Peter, ha, 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 you know, and then just like watch him drown. No, that's not how God is. That's not how God is. So now let's talk for a little bit into the new season That the church is coming into because part of the new season is this radical childlike faith. But this faith is going to enable us and empower us to go places we've never gone before. To do things we've never done before. And to lay hold of the promises of God in a whole new level and dimension. And it's like when Peter was sitting in the boat. Now I think about this and you know sometimes we rewrite scripture in our minds. You know we have a certain image or view of what we think a scripture looks like. Now, I have some examples of this. Anyone here ever been to Israel? Ever been to Israel? So I went to Israel and for years I read the scripture on the pool of Bethesda. Remember the scripture in John 5 where the angel comes down, bubbles come up. Whoever steps in first gets healed. And, you know, for years I had a mental image of that whole scripture. And in my mind, this is what I saw. I saw like a fountain. You know like those fountains that come up to like here? It's like a fountain of water, and in the middle, bubbles or water comes up, and you step into it, you know? So I'm thinking in my mind, okay, there's some water there, bubbles come up, someone steps in. But then I go to visit the pools of Bethesda, and they're not just like knee-deep pools. Some of them like 30 feet plus, 30 feet deep. They're very deep pools. And all lame people laying on the edge of the pool. Now, if a bubble comes up, it better be the bubble of the angel. Because if you see a bubble and you roll over, you're like a crippled person, you roll over into a 30 foot deep water. Number one, it better be the angel and you better be the first one in. Because if you're number two, forget it, you missed it. And now you gotta swim. They probably had lifeguards that had to pull crippled people out of the water, I'm sure. But it's like my whole image of that scripture was different from the, rea- from the reality. And, and, you know, the whole thing of Peter in the boat. Have you ever thought about Peter walking on water? And what does it look like in your mind? You know, because when we think about Peter walking on water, we could imagine, you know, nice, calm water, like glass. Like, of course, if God is going to call me to walk on water, he's going to make it like glass so that I can just see where I'm going and it's really easy. But that's not what happened. It was in the middle of the night. It was like three o'clock in the morning. So it was dark out. And there was a storm. And the waves were high. And Jesus comes walking through the waves in the middle of the night. Surrounded by darkness. And the disciples screamed like, ah, ghost. They thought it was a ghost. Because they couldn't really see him clearly. And Peter's like, Jesus, if that's you, call me out. And Jesus is like, Peter, it's me, come on out. And Peter did. He put his foot over the edge of that boat in the middle of the dark with really high waves and stormy water all around. Now, it is one thing to walk on water that's calm. It's a whole other thing to try to walk on water where there's a storm. And you know what this tells me? That Jesus doesn't wait till everything is perfect before he calls us out. He doesn't wait for all of our circumstances to be just right before he uses us. If you wait for everything in your life to be perfect before you step out and follow God, you are going to be sitting there a really long time. Oh, God, no, it's not time yet. God, my children aren't old enough. God, this isn't quite right over here. God, I don't have enough money over here. God, Just got to wait, 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 wait. I'm going to sit in the boat. And then what we do is we sit in the boat forever. Or then we're like, is that you, Jesus? Is that a ghost? Is that the devil? I think it's you, Jesus. If it's you, call me out. Okay, I hope that's you. Here I come. But then what happens to us is we're like, is that you, God? Is that me? Is it the time? Is it now? Is it tomorrow? Is it next year? I don't know what to do, so I'll do nothing. And we sit in our boat forever. Look. Worst case scenario. If it wasn't Jesus and you stepped out. Worst case scenario. You drown and die. (laughs) Worst case. But look. But look. You get to heaven a lot faster. No, but really. Seriously. If you put your foot over the edge of the boat and it gets wet. Pull it back in. You say, okay, I'm getting wet. I guess this isn't God. And you pull it back in. Look, I would rather... Step out and make a mistake, then sit in the boat and never do anything. You're better off stepping up because even as you're in motion, God can steer a car in motion. He cannot steer a car that is sitting dead on the side of the road. The car has to go into motion, so even if your first steps are kind of like, "Ah, I'm not quite sure," as you begin to move, and add action to your faith, God can steer that. Even if it's going off a little bit, God can redirect it into his perfect will and plan and purpose for your life. And here's the thing. We are in a season right now. We are in a season, and we have been in a season. The church has been in a seasonal shift and change over the last one to two years. One of the blessings of travel ministry is you get to travel to different countries, you talk to a lot of different leaders, and you get a perspective that is bigger than just one region. And I'm telling you from my perspective of what I have seen happening in the body of Christ, I'm talking the global body of Christ. There has been, over the last one to two years, a major shift happening in the church. God is realigning people for their new season. And God is calling people out of the boats of their places, of of their comfort zones. Even from their place of familiarity of what they've known. God is calling them out of those places into things that they have never done before. And to go places they've never been before. So praise God. Get ready. Get ready. God is realizing. Now, if you have noticed anything shifting or changing in your life over the last one to two years... Get happy, because God has been aligning you for your new season. Everything you've experienced up till this point has been preparation for where you're going now. Praise the Lord. And in the process of... Shifting into the new, and I read this scripture the other night about the new wineskins, because part of this new thing that God's doing is He's forming a new wineskin. He's forming a new wineskin, but when you read the scripture in Luke 5 on the new wineskin, it ends with a really interesting statement in verse 39. It says, no one after drinking old wine immediately desires new wine, for He says the old is good or better. You know what this scripture says? It identifies human nature. The part of human nature that gravitates towards the familiar and what we know. It gravitates towards our comfort zones. And then God calls us into something new. And it's different than what we've known. And this is where the struggle becomes. This is where the struggle begins. Where God calls us from our known place of familiarity into something new. And human nature says, oh, but the old is good or the old is better. I don't immediately desire this new thing because the old is good or better. You see, and I guarantee you, when Israel was going through the wilderness and God was leading them by the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night, right? They were led by the presence of God. There would be times where the presence would camp out and they would pitch their tents. Millions of Israelites pitching their tents. And I guarantee you the next time that cloud started to move, there were some Israelites that were like, really? The cloud is moving again? I just pitched my tent? I just set up camp. Now I have to pack it all up and keep moving? But you see, this is the reality of God. God does not sit for too long in one spot. He's constantly doing something new and fresh. And if we are to stay close to his presence when the presence moves, we have to be willing to pitch, to pick up our tent and move with the presence of God. Otherwise, what happens is the presence keeps moving and your tent stays here and you're left with the tent without the presence or you're left with a form without the presence or a form without the power. And this is what happens to whole churches, denominations, whole movements of God, where once it was following the cloud of the presence but then all of a sudden, we settle into our, familiar, our places of familiarity. We settle into our forms, our structures. And I'm not against form and structure, but we settle into it. And we get so settled in it that when God starts to do something a little bit different, it's an inconvenience to us now. So we just stay the same and then one day wake up with no presence. And this has happened to whole denominations. Where what was started with a fresh breath of God now is just an empty shell. How many hear what I'm saying? But this can also happen in our personal lives. This can happen even within our own personal relationship with God. And here's something the Lord showed me. Because I want to help you navigate into the new season God has for you as well. Sometimes things go into delay. But the delay of the new that God wants to bring is not always God's fault. If a promise or something feels like it's being delayed. It's not always God's fault. Because sometimes, if we're holding on to something familiar, it's actually occupying space that needs to be cleared out so the new can come in. But if you're holding on to the old, it's occupying a place that needs to be cleared out. But as long as you're holding on to the old with your free will, You're actually delaying the new thing from coming. Because the reality is, even in the natural, you only have so much space in your life. You only have so much space. Even in your house, if you decorate your house, you only have so much wall space, right? So if you love pictures and you hang them on the walls, eventually all your wall space is going to be full. And then you see another picture, a new picture. You're like, oh, I really like this picture, but I can't get it because I have no more space to decorate. Have you ever been there? Well, you walk walking to the store. I really like that. I wish I could get that, but there's no more space to put it. So you, you pass on it, <laughs> right? Well, this is what happens. In our lives, we fill everything up. And maybe in one season, what our life was filled with was perfect for that season. It was anointed for that season. Our activity, our vision, our focus, everything was anointed and God breathed on it in that season. But every season hits a point of fulfillment. And this is what we need to understand. Every season in God eventually will hit a point of fullness and fulfillment. The moment a season hits a point of fulfillment, it's like you hit the ceiling of that season. And then if we don't shift and move with God, we hit the, we hit the ceiling. And then we start to plateau. And if we don't shift, eventually that plateau turns into stagnation. It's discerning the times and seasons that just because one season hits a point of fullness doesn't mean you have to stay in that season the rest of your life. You see, and the reality is when God is shifting us in seasons, it's not always bad things that God says, oh, now let go of the old. Oh, good. Praise God. and get to let go of all that junk. No, it's not always bad stuff. Sometimes it's even good stuff. It's even good stuff that have the anointing of God on it in a certain season and moment in your life. But now God wants to begin birthing something new. But in order for the new to come, room has to be made for the new to come in. So part of that process will be releasing and letting go of some old things. Even good things. But here's the thing. If you shift with God, the ceiling of your past season becomes the floor of your new season. And that's what God showed me prophetically. The ceiling of our past season has now become the floor of our new season. If you surrender your free will to God and let go of what needs to be let go of, so that space can be created for the new to come in. Now, God speaks to me in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways, you know, he speaks to me sometimes in very practical life, something will happen and God will speak to me. So now, I've experienced some seasonal changes in my own life. 15 months ago, I got married. Massive seasonal shift. I have entered my promised land. And my house in New York, Stephanie lived in Canada. I lived in New York. I had my house. My house became our house. Praise the Lord. My car became our car. And so Stephanie relocates from Canada into New York. And we move, you know, we get married and move in together in our house and stephanie's so sweet she's so sweet she's like a little angel and she says oh matt you know i think we should maybe redecorate (laughs) and i'm like yes it's a new season a new day new life i'm ready let's do some redecoration so she's like okay let's start with the bedroom i'm like okay so we go into the bedroom and i'm looking around we're looking around i'm like my brown curtains (laughs) my brown curtains are now white those are gone my plaid bedspread gone. Now it's white. Everything white. White. Woo. White. And then my moose lamp. <laughs> my moose lamp. My favorite moose lamp that I've had for years. That I got when I was hiking in the mountains somewhere in New Hampshire. And I came across this little country store and this really cool moose lamp. I'm like, I'm getting that moose lamp. I like that moose lamp. It's been my lamp. Moose lamp Gone replaced by a beautiful golden birdie leaf lamp beautiful lamp <laughs> and our whole room was transformed transformed and one day i'm sitting in, in 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 our bedroom and i'm praying and i'm interceding and i open my eyes and i look around and i feel like i'm in heaven because everything's white i'm like wow i'm in heaven i'm in a heavenly place i'm in a heavenly place and i I'm, am and I'm looking around i'm like jesus and i'm just talking to jesus i'm like jesus this room is so beautiful looks so nice i love it god it looks so nice but lord this doesn't look like a man's room anymore <laughs> but it's beautiful god and i love it and i look around and i notice all the pictures on the walls were still my pictures my old pictures, still on the walls that's the only thing we hadn't changed yet we got to everything else except that and i'm thinking to myself oh maybe i'll just leave all those pictures up maybe we'll just leave him up for a while just let him be there for a while and as I'm thinking this from my belly this unction rises up on the inside of me and God I hear the voice of God on the inside and he says take the pictures off the wall now <laughs> and I'm telling you the unction was so strong it was re- it was unusual so I jump up and I go to the picture I start pulling all the pictures off the walls So now all the walls are empty. I put all the pictures together. I put them under my arm. I go down the hallway, put them up against the wall, and the front doorbell rings. I go over to the door, open it up. It's a delivery man with a huge new picture for our bedroom. (laughs) It comes right in the front door. Three minutes, three minutes after I take all the other pictures down, the new one shows up. And we had ordered it like a month before. And it showed up three minutes after I took all the old pictures down. And in that moment, God spoke to me. He really spoke to me. He said, you have to take down the old to make room for the new. That's what he said to me. He said, you have to take it down to make room for the new that I'm bringing. And I knew it was a spiritual parallel for other things in my life. And I knew it was a spiritual parallel even for the season of the body of Christ. That there have been some amazing things that have filled our lives. Some amazing pictures we've had up on our walls. And God is saying it was amazing for that season. It was amazing for that time. But now it's a new season and a new time. And you have to be willing to take down the old in order to make room for the new. And God brought me to a scripture in Hebrews where the bible was talking about the old testament sacrifice and the new testament sacrifice of the body of jesus christ and jesus says here i am god i've come to do your will basically to offer my body as the final sacrifice for the sin of mankind and right in that whole comparison of the old and the new it says this you have to lay aside the first to establish the second That God laid aside a first, which was the Old Testament sacrificial system, to establish the second, which was the sacrifice of the body of Christ. That's in the book of Hebrews. And if you like scripture, it's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. Here I am, God, to do your will. He lays aside the first to establish the second. And every time there are seasonal changes in the corporate body of Christ, it will reflect within individual people's lives. Corporate shifts bring individual shifts. Church shifts bring individual shifts. It's like what happens corporately also will happen on a different way, on a unique level in your life. So we don't want to delay God's blessing in the new season by holding on to something old and familiar because we just don't want to let it go. And I've seen this even in young people's lives sometimes when they're dating or they're with someone in a relationship. And sometimes a girl, a young lady will hold on to a relationship with a guy and he's not even good for her. He's not even a good guy. But rather than being alone or because of the fear of being alone or the fear of the unknown, she will hold on to what she knows because at least it's better than the unknown of possibly being alone. So she'll hold on to something that really she shouldn't be holding on to. And this happens in our lives sometimes. We hold on to things longer than we should. And it actually delays the great blessing God wants to bring into our life. So when the Lord, and you see, you can sense a a seasonal shift is different from a moment of discouragement okay because sometimes the enemy there is warfare and the enemy comes against you with discouragement you may feel discouraged about something that doesn't mean the whole season's over like oh praise God I'm free from that season no it could just be a moment of dis- a moment of discouragement is different from a seasonal shift in a seasonal shift the grace lifts off there's no more joy in what you're doing There's no more life in it. There's no more flow in it. It becomes striving and difficult and hard. There's no ease. There's no grace. There's no oil on it. And it's because the season is changing. And at first, when a season starts to change, you process it. You're like, what's going on? I don't understand this. Is something wrong? Is something off? What's happening? Is it me? Is it, what is this? And at first, you don't really understand it. You're processing it. And then as you process it and you walk with the Lord in it, He begins to show you no my hand is just my oil my anointing is just not moving on this in this new season it was great for your last season but now let it go because I'm gonna anoint some other things right so you can learn to discern the shifting and changing of God in your life when he's beginning to move you into some new things does that help anyone here yeah so you can sense and discern those things and learn to identify it learn to identify it and look God will never bring you lower. He only brings you higher. He only brings you higher. So if there's anything God ever says let go of, it's only because he wants to bring you from glory to glory and bring you even something greater. And bring you even something greater. My friend James Gold recently preached an amazing message on the power of hope. And he talked about how a tree, even a tree cut down to the stump, that tree will still have the ability to regrow. And it's like the remnant, you know, it's the whole picture of the remnant, even though it's cut down to the stump, like Israel was cut down to the stump, but it regrew. And it's like this in our lives, sometimes when things shift and change, it looks like things are being cut down, and we're like, oh God, you know. It looks like decrease, but actually that decrease is setting you up for increase. So whenever it looks like something's decreasing, no, it's not. It's God maybe pruning back, or God realigning you for the increase that's coming. And you've got to persevere through that in-between place. And get through it into the new season God has for you. Praise God. And I just declare fruitfulness over your life. I see tremendous fruitfulness coming in your life where you are going to produce fruit and more fruit. And that's what keeps hitting my spirit today. Fruit and more fruit fruit and more fruit it's going to be so fruitful so abounding that you're not even going to be able to contain the harvest that God brings it's like the windows of heaven open up and God pours out a blessing that you can't even contain and I speak that over your life today that your relationships are going to be blessed your vision is going to be blessed it's going to be clear it's going to be focused You're going to know in your heart the will of God for your life in this time. And you're going to zone right in on God's purpose and what he's anointing in your life in this hour. And you're not going to waste time. You're not going to fall into self-striving. You're going to walk by the Spirit, in the Spirit, and through the Spirit. In Jesus' name.